Let's do 30. Can you do 30? I can do 30. Same. 30. I hate you. Okay, wait. Do you... No. <laughs> Let's do 40. Okay. Sink. <laughs> Why did I do that? Did you not do that on purpose? No. I, I was sitting here. I was like, all right, 30, 30, 30. Because normally what I do in my head is I repeat the number so I don't forget it. Right. Uh, and this time I just fucked up real bad. I just crossed my wires. Um, okay. All right, let's do. All right, we're good. We're synced. Are you ready to get it wet, Tony? Mm. <sighs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, welcome to Direct Video VHS? VHS, a podcast where we pair movies like fine wine. Mm -hmm. This is another first of a two-part episode. I don't know how we should introduce these now you know yeah and this could be a three-part episode fuck this this uh, could be no. a three-part episode we will see we'll see we'll see how we feel i feel pretty good for now yeah yeah this this hey guys not to jump to the end or anything little mermaid is an excellent movie hey guys this movie kind of slaps and it's really good <laughs> let's let's go through some stats real quick this movie came out in 1989 so it is well over 30 years old now. Um, is that right? Uh, it's well over 40. No, 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 no. It's 30 years old. It's almost, I would probably, probably almost 31 years old. All right, that's where that we're going. That is not well over either. Okay. It's just over there. They probably just did a 30th anniversary thing. I think I they did, actually. Guess. They did like a, they did like a like a live musical thing last year actually that's right they did i remember that now. yeah i remember that john stamos was involved and i was like john stamos okay weird he was the chef because he's italian i guess no he's greek and the chef is french this makes no sense this casting anyway um, this movie had a budget of $40 million estimated because, again, we some of these early Disney movies we don't really know. Its opening weekend had $6 million in two days, which I think by today's standards would be considered a failure. We live in a world now where if a movie doesn't make back its budget in its opening weekend, it's a failure or in its opening week. This opening weekend was considered a huge success. It was like the biggest opening weekend success Disney had had in decades. I th And I think that's... I don't want to get into this. I think that's because of Harry Potter. Maybe. Because, like, it was Harry Potter that they were first, like, the day it opens is huge. I I always I always linked that to Lord of the Rings, though. I will say I, I read some interesting stuff that really pinned it on Harry Potter, but they were out at the same time. Yeah, so. that, it was that era. So, opening weekend, six million. U.S. gross, 111 million. Worldwide, 274 million. Needless to say, this movie was incredibly financially successful. The This movie was one of the, like, original Walt Disney pitches way back in the day, back in the 30s. Walt Disney was going to do, like, like a kind of like a package film, or I don't know what we call those today, but, you know, like, back then they used to put uh, films of, like, just short films together. Yeah, yeah, the, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of one, like, Three Musketeers and... yeah. 
Uh, well, I'm going to cut out that bit where I couldn't think of films. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, like like this used to be well, and this it, it it wasn't limited to animation. This was the thing that they did with live action films, right? Is you'd have like a run of like three thirty minute movies mm. in one theater, and that would be like you bought one ticket and watched those three movies. So right. so Walt Disney wanted to do one of those, but with Hans Christian Andersen tales. But for some reason, like it just didn't happen. But which is crazy because they they even got like paintings done of the movie that they were going to do. Like they were at the like concept art stage they were those some of those were gorgeous yeah yeah like k by, uh, by a guy named k nielsen if you guys look up this stuff uh it's kind of spectacular later in the 80s after the great mouse detective clements and musker were like we want to do a disney princess movie we got to bring this shit back i love that there's always this is like the second time now right that somebody went up to whoever and was like we need to bring disney princesses back though Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love that that's always an argument that someone has to make. Like, we love them, guys. Why do you stop making them? It is kind of wild. I mean, if you go into, like, a Disney store, there's going to be a lot of princesses. They presented, like, a two-page spec script to Katzenberg, and he was like, we can't do this movie. We are mm-hmm. currently developing a sequel to our hit comedy, Splash. Uh, you remember the hit comedy Splash, starring Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, John Candy, Eugene Levy, nineteen eighty four? No, you don't remember it. It's because it's kind of a shitty movie. I vaguely remember seeing this cover at some point. Wait, there is no sequel. There is a sequel. It's called Splash Two. It's a television movie. Oh no! Yeah, dude. Splash T O O. Oh no. <laughs> Possible future episode? Woof. Anyway, the point is Disney makes bad decisions, I guess. Well, eventually, like literally the next day, though, I guess because he saw Splash 2, <laughs> he was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> so, like, literally the next Dang. day, uh, uh, good old Jeff Katzenberg was like, actually, you're right, let's do it. It was produced kind of in s- simultaneously with Oliver and Company, but the movie didn't really take off until 1987 when um, they brought in a a little-known uh, lyricist named Howard Ashman to bring Broadway into the movie. Essentially, they wanted it to be a Broadway-style musical, uh, but nobody at Disney had ever done a Broadway-style musical, at least nobody who was alive and still working there. So they were like, hey, this guy did Little Shop of Horrors like two years ago. Let's get him to do it. Disney called him up and they said, hey, we want you to work with us. And he said, I want to work in your animation department. So he he was already there. He didn't know why they called him, but he told them like with no like with no hesitation, like if I'm going to work with Disney, I'm doing animation. Um, and I think after he came on the movie, the story goes is that's when the movie really started solidifying. Right. Well, he is he is listed as a producer. Disney's weird because especially Disney animated movies, because like often you'll find that like like if you look just at the credits, right? Directed by Clements and Musker, produced by Musker and Ashman, written by Clements and Musker. But but also Howard Ashman is credited with lyricist with uh, as the lyricist. But music is by Alan Menken. And he's also credited with additional dialogue. It's it's one of those things where like if you talk to people, everyone says like this was Ashman's movie. 
Clements and Musker did the original script, yes, but Howard Ashman was the one who was like, he was in pitch meetings, he was in dialogue meetings, he was in animation meetings. Any meeting that they had about this movie, Ashman was in it, and he was throwing his opinion around, like, elbowing everyone else. Like, like it was his production. Um, and I think Jody Benson said in an interview, if you were smart, you would just let him go and drive the train. Ron and John were smart. I, re- I highly recommend anybody if you have like a like a recent copy of the movie. There's like a bunch of extras, and just go through and watch them because like almost in all of them at some point everyone just talks about Howard Ashman. It's kind of hard not to because uh, he it really did it really does feel like he was the soul of this movie as much if not more so than Beauty and the Beast. I love Howard Ashman. He's like one of my like idols. If anyone who's listened to this show knows anything about me it's that i love talking about him mm-hmm. and like I, I every time we talk about music i always bring him up and that's not because Al, i don't I, I think alan menken is amazing but he's a composer and i don't know jack shit about composition <clears throat> like i don't know anything about music theory i don't know anything about making music um but i know that these lyrics are damn good all right so that was like five minutes of me just kind of venting you can just cut that out if you don't need it yeah it was good job on your five minutes <laughs> what about you you got something uh, I don't think so. Not before the beginning of this movie. Although, you did mention Alan Menken, and I also don't know anything about composing, but I know that the compositions are good in this movie. Like, I oh, can yeah. hear, I can hear the, the songs that are sung in the background music, which is, I think, the right way to write a composition. Uh, like, for a musical movie, and not a lot of Disney movies actually do it like that, which I think is kind of wild. Well, I feel like even recently, the music happens. After it's done, it's over. And then we get right. like a generic orchestral like swelling for action stuff. This one, maybe of all Disney movies, feels the most like something from Broadway. Even just like the way the way it's organized. Mm-hmm. Like the lead in and lead out into and out of a song is so smooth. If you want to get right into it. Let's do it. This first moment where they're singing, um, I don't know what the song's called, Heave Ho or Bottom Yeah, it's like a sea, it's a sea shanty. You're right. It's just a sea shanty that introduces us to Prince Eric, the concept mm-hmm. of mermaids, King Triton, and sapient fish. If I have one problem with this movie, if I had to pick one thing to be like, man, that's a that's something that I wish somebody had done something about. It's Triton keeps calling the people above fish eaters and he's not wrong and that's not addressed because there are some fish that are sentient they have feelings it appears that most of them are although sebastian uses some fish like horses exactly so it's like what's some of them must be less sentient or less sapient it's it's crazy and you're right there there (laughs) needs to be some sort of structure because like sharks aren't Sharks are apparently crazy, wild animals, like, to the point where they're, like, rabid, almost. Yeah, they're like, uh, they're like, uh, like a wild tiger out in the, out in the, the jungle of the ocean. I wish there was more of a structure of deciding which fish are cool and which fish aren't cool to eat. But that seems like that's a different movie at that point. Well, that's the thing, right? It's, it's like, they could go into it, but it doesn't really matter. If Triton didn't call them fish eaters, then I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with it. That's the because thing, Because then right? there's the idea that, I don't know, maybe the mermaids also eat fish. I would assume that the mermaids also eat fish. But they clearly don't, 
because Triton finds that disgusting. Maybe they eat like mollusks. Well, no, because they have crustacean bands. So, so we get the sea shanty, we get the fish. I think next is the concert, right? Yeah, so the fish is swimming to the concert and all these mermaids are swimming to the concert. And we, we see King Triton and then we see Sebastian. Now, let's stop for a bit on King Triton. Okay. I know I said that, uh, that the king from Tangled, whose name currently escapes me, was the most intimidating king. Frederick. Frederick, thank you. I think King Triton can give him a run for his money. Uh, Triton is scary. This guy is built like a freight train. He is. And he has sort of a Roman or Greek god temper. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, he Which is. I, I think he, 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 he is a Roman or Greek god. He's he is like a the Greek son god. of Poseidon. Yes. But, like, it shows. In a way, like, it's, it's kind of crazy. He's either hot or cold. He doesn't really have a middle. So, so what you're saying he's, is King Triton's a Sundari. No. I'm, <laughs> hey, Andy, that's, that's not what I'm saying. That's literally saying, what you said. I'm saying he's either the chillest, nicest, like, sweetest dude. Mm-hmm. Or off the fucking chain. I don't think which you is know what a Sundari means. <laughs> that's a Yandere. No, no! That's a person who kills people. Wow, you're right. I'm wrong, definitely. Triton's way more a Yandere than a Sundari. Oh my god. I only know that because I watched an episode of uh, Monthly Girls of Zagikun today. Okay, well. So, um, we have this. I gotta cut that out. That was was the most weeb conversation I've maybe ever had. Uh, Well, you know, keep that in your back pocket because it might get weebier. So, So, Sebastian comes in. He's kind of fascinating to me because he's a composer. Mm-hmm. But he's got the king's ear. Now and then again later, Triton seems to go to him for advice. Like, he seems to... He, he confides in him. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like, what if Shakespeare was way better at sucking up? I, I can see a movie where a prominent musician becomes, like, the king's most trusted aide. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that movie already happened by the beginning of this movie is super cool. I don't know. I I bet that the prequel movie does not touch on that at all. Oh, God, no. Right? I... <laughs> Which is like, that's the shame because that's it's kind of fascinating in that I would love to know that story. I would love to know why Sebastian seems to be the king's most trusted advisor. We meet, so we meet Sebastian Triton. We meet all of Ariel's sisters who are not characters in this movie. Yeah, that's my note, is none of those characters are characters. To, to the extent that um, they... They're almost they, a Greek chorus. Not really. They get to be a bit of a Greek chorus here, where it's yes. like, oh, where's Ariel? And then later, where they're the ones who reveal that Ariel's in love. Yeah. They speak as one, basically. They All of Ariel's sisters are one hive mind. They're a hive mind of sisters. Yep. So we cut to Ariel uh, and Flounder kind of mucking about around this old shipwreck. I had forgotten that Flounder was cowardly and Ariel was brave. How do you forget that? That's his whole... I just... his only character It'd been trait. a long time since I'd seen this. I knew that he always stuck by her. It did not sink into me. You're right, it is kind of his only character trait. He sort of shares all of his 
everything he likes and everything he dislikes with Ariel because he's just a sidekick character. He's defined by Ariel. He has let himself be defined by Ariel. And that's why he will go into the shipwreck with her. Well, uh, in a way, and we're about to meet a third character. Like, in a way, we have these three animal characters who kind of revolve around Ariel and represent different aspects of her life. Mm, That's fair. That's an interesting way to put it. Flounder is cowardly. Ariel has a sort of blind bravery because she just wants all this stuff in the shipwreck. And she's not really worried about anything. She can handle herself, though, is the thing. She's... I think it's a confidence... It's not a confidence born of ignorance. You might be right. But I think also Flounder was right. Because friggin' Bruce from Jaws shows up. <laughs> like, it's like Jaws is here from Jaws. Yeah, Robert De Niro hasn't learned that fish are friends, not food. He comes so hard. The shark crashing through the window of that ship might be one of the coolest things. It's absolutely terrifying. And he, she's like eating all the wood. He like chomps down through the wood and just chasing him out. They eventually, they lose him by hooking him in, a, in an anchor. That shark is dead. Yeah, because if sharks can't swim, then they can't live. So. Yep. So, you know, give him about two hours before he suffocates. So then they swim up to the surface to go see Scuttle. S- yes. Scuttle, who, uh, I'm going to be real with you. I hated this movie when I was a kid. Because of Scuttle? No, because it was played over and over and over again. I vividly remembered Scuttle being the most annoying character. Not as annoying as I thought he would be. He's kind of really funny. I think Scuttle is kind of annoying. But I also think we watched Treasure Planet. Yeah. Treasure Planet has like the most fucky annoying sidekick character that I've ever seen. It makes me furious. It is It is a crime that this fucking robot has so much screen time. Scuttle, one, he has this purpose, this, like, specific purpose, and his purpose is to basically misinform Ariel about what humans are like. Also, everybody likes him, except for Sebastian. That, to me, gives him his own kind of charm, Mm -hmm. where, like, Flounder and Ariel, they love Scuttle. Scuttle's their bud. But Sebastian just can't stand this fucker. I think Sebastian recognizes him for what he is, which is a a peddler of dreams. (laughs) Well, he also, he, like you mentioned before, he symbolizes this thing in Ariel, which is distinctly against the person she's supposed to be, which is somebody who is obsessed with the surface world. Yeah. Scuttle is her her connection to the surface. And also, Scuttle can't get through, like, a normal sentence. No. And that would be annoying for anyone. Uh, He's great. He's voiced by by the legendary Buddy Hackett. It's, it's a voice that if you watch a lot of old movies, you'll recognize. Yeah, I, I think Scuttle is, has some of the funniest lines in the movie and sets up one of the funniest lines in the movie. Well, he, he does set up all, like I said, all, all of Ariel's foibles in the human world. Mm-hmm. Everything that she does that's wrong is because of Scuttle. Yeah. Which is kind of great. Yeah, so she, because uh, she, she gives him the Dinglehopper and the Snarfblatt. Which are a fork and a, what is it, a pipe? It's a smoker's pipe? Yeah, it's a pipe. And he tells her that the fork is a comb and that the smoker's pipe is a flute. Scuttle doesn't seem to be all there, but what he does know he definitely got from boats. Yeah, well, he's a seagull. I don't know, maybe, do people comb their hair on boats a lot? Look, I don't know. I think pirates did regularly comb their beards. I mean, that would make sense. You gotta keep that shit clean, dude. She remembers... 
in the conversation with Scuttle that, oh, my the concert, my my debut was supposed to be right now. We gotta go. Not even right now, like maybe half an hour ago. Yeah, okay, but I think she thinks it sounds like she thinks she still has time. It's it's way too fucking late, but yeah. Yeah, it's like sorry, you missed it. I think we have an introduction to Ursula here. Yeah, so we see I thought this was kind of interesting interesting. Flotsam and Jetsam are looking at Ariel. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of pans through their eyes to an image of Ariel that Ursula is looking at. So she can see through Flotsam and Jetsam. And also, I thought that was kind of interesting, her reveal is pretty similar to Jafar's when he's like spying on Aladdin with all, with his weird magic in the beginning yeah. of Aladdin. Something I noted about Ursula is she says, when I lived in the palace. Yes! So, I knew this from the musical, Mm -hmm. and I did not think it was canon in the cartoon, but now I think it is? Yeah. That she is Triton's sister? I don't think it's, it's never said in the movie. So Yeah, it's just that, like, why else would she be in the palace? The only other possibility is that she was overthrown by Triton. I always think of her as like she was the palace witch because you know you gotta have a palace witch. Mm, maybe you did have to have a palace witch. The the other thing is, and this isn't till way later, but she, with the magic she does is definitely dark magic. Yes, like she uses live animals, which are probably sentient people, basically. For all of her potions and stuff, so. It's weird because it's clear that whatever magic she uses operates within the same rules and boundaries of King Triton's magic later in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, he is bound by the same rules that she is. Okay, that was another thing that I wished was a little bit more fleshed out. There must be a reason that he hasn't, like, killed her or flushed her out or something. Yeah. There must be some rule to his magic or to her magic that make it impossible because later he does try to stop her and can't because she has a contract. If she is his sister mm-hmm. or whatever, or maybe, or sister-in-law or whatever, right? I, I can see like, okay, I can't kill her because she's family, which... That would be a different movie, though. Yeah, right? Um, yeah, pretty interesting, I think, but a different one. It's clear that there is a reason that they can't just get rid of her um mm. she is she is powerful but she's also not so powerful that she can forcefully overthrow triton because she has to trick him yes and it seems like much like you know the hyenas in the in the lion king she is stuck to a certain place now her layer is crazy cool it is the raddest thing <laughs> it's like a big old sea monster that she lives in the in the belly of like a skeleton of it it's crazy straight up living in monstro but she does seem to be kind of stuck there like there must be a reason that she uses flotsam and jetsam instead of ever going out herself maybe it's one of those you know like i'm i'm at my most powerful here you can't risk being out and about like the forbidden arts yeah (laughs) like the forbidden arts she doesn't want to get fucking bodied (laughs) and have to come crawling back home She's not dumb enough to accidentally explode a random farmer. <laughs> so uh, now we get the first, this is kind of the first hot cold interaction that we see with Triton. Although I think Sebastian kind of steals the show here. Oh, he eggs him on in a way that I think is, it's, it's, it's I find Sebastian very interesting because he starts off this movie 
being on Triton's side. Right. And then by the end, he's he's on Ariel's side. Firmly on Ariel's side. Sebastian might kind of be supposed to be like Triton's conscience in the movie, right? Like at first he's like, I need to, I need to control my daughter. And by the end, he's like, I need to let her go. Well, and that's that's kind of the thing, right? Is Sebastian represents Ariel's ties to the ocean. He he is literally her dad's voice in her ear. Scuttle is the voice of like people and land, like kind of calling her away from Sebastian. And Flounder is fear of change, which is why she ignores him. One thing though is Ariel does claim during this fight with her dad that she is sixteen and not a child anymore. Uh. A sentiment that when I was in high school, I was totally like on her side, like, hell yeah, you tell him. But now that I'm <laughs> an adult, I'm like, no, you're you're still a baby. Like, Right, 16 is still a child, even if it's just like technically still a child. He's got a reason to want to look out for her mm-hmm. or to tell her not to go hang out with the, the people he knows kill fish. Come yeah. on. I, this happens in every scene. It's it's here. It's the most subtle, but or it's the least subtle. But the, I guess the reason Sebastian has Triton's ear is because Triton is so unsure of how to deal with Ariel. Mm-hmm. Like every single other one of his daughters, I assume, was content just like being a princess and like living under the sea. That's a pretty. It's like a pretty straightforward thing. He could maybe he can deal with almost anything else. Well, that's the thing, right? Is because he 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 got through like what? How many like? seven or eight of them with no issues and now all of a sudden this one comes out kicking and screaming and he's like ah shit not kicking uh flipping okay her fins i'm done okay so ariel (laughs) ariel goes to her like secret nook full of full of trash full of human trash this this is i i still dream of having a room like this it's just full of shit this place is, it's genuinely beautiful, actually. It is cool um, as fuck. And as a person who doesn't own anything, I dream <laughs> of owning stuff. There are some books and paintings that I don't think should have survived being under the sea, but... Oh, uh, here's an interesting, here's an interesting thing, actually. Like, some, like, a genuinely interesting shit. Mm-hmm. The painting that she has is, is called uh, Magdalene with the Smoking Flame. It's a Baroque painting, um, and it's actually, like... Back then, when this painting was painted in the like 1600s, Magdalene sitting down, staring at a fire while holding a skull was like a very common theme in art that represented mm. a woman's temptation of like wanting to gain power, but having power over life itself or something like that. It's it's like, oh, interesting. Like it's a very that's a very symbolic painting for her to have. It's a it's a painting that like was one, like this during this era of Baroque was like the first paintings of Magdalene. As, not as a sinner, but as a saint in like in remission. Like, mm-hmm. does does that make sense? It's I don't know much about the it, Baroque it makes, paintings. It makes sense to me, but maybe only because I was raised in Catholic school. Yeah, a beautiful painting, by the way. So Ariel has maybe my favorite song in the movie. The best song I think in the history of Disney princess movies ever. Part of your world, which is very good, and I don't have anything else to say about it really besides it's very good and and it's a great scene she does have a fish hook in her collection which is actually fucked up (laughs) she doesn't know what they're for though she does because triton knows what they're for he mentions hooks 
Maybe she doesn't know though. What if she took it to to Scuttle and she's like, "Is this official?" And he's like, "What? No, it's an earring. Humans like to poke this through their ears." That's a maybe. But I will say, in Under the Sea, there was also a fish hook. Mm-hmm. The fish know what the fish hooks are. Okay, but Ariel wasn't paying attention to that song. That's good. That's true. Um, this is like th- th- this song is like the classic, the er example of an I want song. Mm-hmm. Every heroine in every Disney movie like has to have one. Howard Ashman actually explains why in a very interesting video in the special features. But but basically, this is the moment where the audience, if they haven't already, has to fall in love with the character's basic need. And so this song is the it's it's is the vehicle to that feeling. And I think that that really works here. Mm-hmm. This song also almost got him fired. <laughs> Holy shit, why? Uh, because during the pre-screenings of this film, this song was not received well by children, by the children watching it. Uh, Katzenberg wanted to cut it immediately. He was like, all right, kid, the kids don't like this. Get rid of it. And Howard Ashton was like, if, if, that, like, if that song goes, I walk. Like, this song needs to be in this movie in order for it to work as a, as a musical. And then later, I think in the same day, uh, the directors walked up to him and were like, hey, listen, we, we already started animating the sequence. Let's finish animating the sequence. And during the second screening, if the kids don't respond to it, we'll talk about cutting it. And sure enough, during the second screening, the kids loved the song. Like they, they absolutely were like sitting in their seats, like just fucking focused in on it. Well, there's a lot of good visuals in the song. Yeah, so that, so that also makes sense too. But I do think as a song, it's just very strong. I, I get why a kid wouldn't like it though. It's not exactly cerebral, but it's like more cerebral than Under the Sea. Of the songs, I would say it's the least, well, it, it, it's just not as fun because it, it's mm-hmm. it's such it's so heartfelt and so emotional sebastian sees all this he's like no nah, this is this is fucked <laughs> this is all wrong your dad is gonna be so pissed she's like don't tell my dad and he's like yeah i'm not gonna tell your dad are you fucking kidding he'd he kill me <laughs> he would murder me on the spot <laughs> he is so afraid of triton which is fair which is where you want your musical advisors to be so then a ship passes overhead and ariel goes after it and sebastian's like oh no no oh crap but she does it she does it eric is there prince eric yeah he is given by his butler advisor somebody it's it's the oh what it's the clock what is the clock again major domo it's his it's it's his major domo uh grimsby Yes, he is given Grimsby. a big, very ostentatious statue of himself. This statue sucks so much. I really like that Eric doesn't like it because... I hate this statue so much from like a sculpture perspective. Like, it's such a generic sculpture. Well, he's got like a sword and a shield. Yeah. And Eric doesn't have those. For one thing, he's from a fishing village or town or kingdom i get the feeling that it's french but i don't know uh, i don't know why or at least french adjacent maybe spanish maybe it seems like if he was doing something water related that would make sense but he's not he's just standing there with a sword and shield and it's kind of hideous but also a good likeness of him here's the thing here's the thing it's so big (laughs) and i don't buy for a second that he didn't know it was on the ship he 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 I feel like the reveal was him going, "Oh, I practiced being surprised." <laughs> it's great. It's 
great. I love it. I do want to point out that Prince Eric is voiced by the same guy who voiced Spider-Man in the 1994 animated series. Is this a backdoor to your fanfic where Ariel falls in love with Spider-Man? I I mean, Ariel can't fall in love with Spider-Man because he's already in a committed relationship with Elsa from Frozen. Um, but she might steal him away. That is like a deep pull for anyone who has ever been on YouTube and seen those weird as fuck kids videos. <laughs> They're in, okay. They, the internet is an insane place and YouTube is a mistake. Both of these things are true. So there's a storm. This storm, literally, I remembered, and it, this isn't true, but I remembered as a kid that the reason this storm happens is because Triton is Triton mad. Is right. That's why it should happen. <laughs> But Triton is not that mad right now. Like, he had to, to yell at his daughter, but that's over, and he's probably just, like, mopey. I would have thought it was because he was mad. Or because Ursula was mad, maybe, if she someone was Someone has a crazy to be person. mad. Right, we're dealing with god figures. Somebody should have been mad. But this storm comes out of fucking nowhere and absolutely annihilates this ship. This, this ship gets so fucked <laughs> That like everybody is tossed over the sides and that's before it's on fire, fire. <laughs> it's like jeez you you know as, as a ship you're fucked when you're both sinking and on fire like great i get to drown and burn to death at the same fucking time yeah it's uh the storm and the fire are both gorgeous though like yes. this is around the time when disney animation was good enough to animate water and fire i guess this movie did you did you did you also like when the ship was on the water look at the water and be like oh that's that's hand that's not mm. cgi water oh that's weird it's really good it's really good this was the last animated film that used a traditional like painting on uh, on glass? Not not on glass. It's it's oh, it's. But on, like, did they do glass? They didn't. I but was so they, excited about the idea. But but it was it was the last animated film to do to to be hand painted. Um, mm. They did use I think a little bit of of um, computer stuff uh, in order to kind of like I think fix a couple of shots. But the original film and, and that's for re that's any release after the original film. I mean, so right. if you're watching it today, some of the shots are like fixed by computer yeah so this was the last like hand painted cell method and they actually mm -hmm. they wanted to use the the old multi-plane camera that they had used in uh bambi to do one i think one of the introductory i think the shot uh at the beginning where they're panning over to the castle and then zooming in on it they wanted to use uh that old multi-plane device but it had been so like just fucking like worn down by time that it didn't even work anymore it, it was the last film to be hand like hand painted i think for for most of the movie so eric goes back onto his boat to save his dog which automatically makes him the best prince ever eric is a fucking good dude eric is like a good dude he's saving his dog everything's on fire he is not sad even a little bit that the giant horrible statue of him is sinking to the bottom of the sea that statue, by the way, almost fucking took Grimsby with it. <laughs> uh, Grimsby's like, oh, my hubris, as he sinks to the bottom of the sea. Uh, and then the fucking ship explodes because they Which... had, like, fireworks and gunpowder. <laughs> this is why you don't... In the hall. This is, this is why party boats are bad, guys. All that fireworks are just going to blow up in a spectacular fashion. Ariel saves him, drags him to a beach... Sings a reprise of Part of Your World. Hell yeah. Sebastian 
freaks the fuck out again because who wouldn't? Are you kidding? She's making eyes at this human and she just saved him. She sa- she touched a dude, saved his life, is, sing- is making eyes at him. The writing is on the wall and Sebastian just doesn't want to read it. Oh man, he's in a real bad way. He's got a great line. It's, uh, you won't tell him. I won't tell him. I will stay in one piece. <laughs> okay, so what happens next? Oh, the reprise of Part of Your World. We get that classic uh, wave. That was a fucking wave. Like This movie's gorgeous. This movie's fucking great. I, I will say, though, this movie definitely, like, because it's all by hand, some of the in-betweens in this movie are very funny. If you want some of that classic, just, like, weird cartoons, screen grabs, I think there are a lot of them from this movie. Yeah, but that's that's the kind of stuff that I really like. I think to make, I don't want to get into to the whole thing about 2D animation, but, like, sometimes when you take a video of somebody, they look fucking weird for a frame. Yeah. And at some point in animation, everybody figured out that you have to make somebody look fucking weird for a frame to make it work. Mm-hmm. And it's great. I just love it. This movie is pretty as sin. So I mentioned before how Triton is either super happy and chill or a crazy beacon of destruction. And we get to see both of those in pretty quick succession here where oh, yeah. he finds out Ariel's in love, is like so happy about it, and is ready to call Sebastian and like tease out who she could possibly be in love with. This scene when Sebastian <laughs> so he, he, this scene when Sebastian walks in. <laughs> yes. Yes, your majesty. Like, oh, man. And poor Sebastian, he breaks like a china cup. Oh, dude, he he has no... I mean, he's a crustacean, right? So he has no backbone, but... Man, (laughs) King Triton didn't even know this interrogation was happening, and it went so well for him. So he goes, finds Ariel... Oh, well, we gotta mention this, though. Oh, right, right, Flounder. Some the fuck how? <laughs> so Flounder, best wingman in history. Oh, man. How did this happen? I assume Flounder just has like five million cousins and they just... They just dragged this giant, terrible statue of Eric into her little cave. I mean, it, it weighs less underwater, but... <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine it weighs that much less. Maybe you got the shark to help. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll save you and not let you die if you help us move this statue. Okay. This guy's pretty handsome. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it went down. Uh, so Ariel's like, damn, oh, he's so hot, and I'm gonna flirt with him a little bit. And then her fucking dad walks in. Oh, man. What a... What an absolute, like, worst-case scenario, right? You break into your daughter's secret closet, (laughs) full of all this human shit, while she's flirting with a human statue. And he's like, no, I'm just gonna blow everything up. This is... This is the moment. This so he blows everything up. I, I will say, this scene is one of the harshest scenes. It's pretty intense from a bad parenting standpoint. Yeah. Um, But I also like that it establishes... It doesn't really establish all the things a trident can do, but it does establish it as, like, a super powerful thing. Mm, it Listen, it shoot laser. That's... It, sh- it shoot laser, though. <laughs> So you know it magic. I, I, I do think this movie skirts the line, walks the line very well of not... King Triton is not a bad guy. He's just a bad parent. He's also... I mean, but this is important. He's not, like, abusive either. Yeah. 
he is taking what he sees as a rational but very hard stance to try to keep her away from something that he thinks will kill her. Yeah. Does that drive her into the arms of the devil? Yes. Yes. Well, yes. Well, here's the thing is it does. There's no <laughs> but to that statement. <laughs> Uh, he's the butt in that statement. Oh, quit Bam. acting like a butt, Triton. <laughs> so, Flotsam and Jetsam, Ursula's eels, have been watching Ariel this whole time. Mm -hmm. And choose this moment, which is definitely her lowest point. Oh, yeah. To come say, oh, man, if only somebody could uh, send you, I don't know, like above water to go make out with this dude you're totally into after seeing him once and she buys it i'm going to say this once and only once this is the first and last time hook line and sinker no okay uh. <laughs> they had to put a little bit of bait on this hook by by slapping this perfectly carved out face at her triton managed uh. to destroy 99 percent of the statue but that face though mm, that survived he couldn't bring himself to destroy that face. Yeah, even he was he's like, so handsome. he was like, oh, but he's pretty hot, he though. Like, Damn. Damn it. <laughs> Damn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they take her to see Ursula. Flounder and Sebastian follow. I find this one scene really interesting. She's mad at Sebastian, and she tells him to go tell her father, because that's what he's good at. And I think that's what makes him not. Yeah. But, like, the whole movie wouldn't have taken place if he had gone and told her father. True, but... He would have been, like, out there with more lasers, blowing up eels. Well, that's the thing, right, is she directly confronts him, like, this is your fault. Yeah. The, the, the thing that just happened is on you, and now he's like, okay, well, maybe I can try to fix it without breaking things even more. Mm -hmm. I feel like if he went to her dad, the rest of this movie would have been the beginning of Tangled. Or you're just locked in a room. Oh, no. Forever. Yep, that's fair. So she meets Ursula. Ursula, I find really interesting because she convinces Ariel that what she's doing will be best for her. But she kind of, like poor unfortunate soul, she claims that she's one of the good guys, right? Mm -hmm. But she never goes to the point of like, acting like she's one of the good guys she basically straight up tells ariel that yes she turns people into withered plant monsters she like says that she's like yeah i i yes when they don't pay i do turn them into plant monsters and you can see all the plant monsters i've got it's kind of fascinating because it feels like ariel has all of the information she needs to know that this is a bad idea to like know that she is making a deal with the devil and then makes that deal anyway i think it's a good idea to have ursula frame herself i mean she sings that she's i don't know what the lyrics are i don't remember her explicitly saying like i'm a good guy she does say, on the whole, I've been a saint. On the whole, I've been a saint. But that's different, right? She's saying, I've never broken the rules. But she, I, I think it's interesting that, that even she doesn't frame herself entirely as a 100% good person. She's being very honest. Like, this is a devil's bargain. And mm -hmm. I'm the devil on this bargain. But what other choice do you have? All of these other people willingly went into this contract. And they got what they wanted, but they couldn't pay. So, like, what what other choice do you have if you don't want to take if you don't take this? And she, there isn't any fine print on this contract. She says 
if after three days you don't get a kiss, I own you. I love, I love a movie that so clearly sets up its rules. Three days, one kiss. Uh, and, and the price is just playing it on hard mode <laughs> is, is that she can't, she can't use her voice. Now, see, if it were me, and it, I can't imagine a way that this would be me, but <laughs> mm-hmm. the cost of her voice seems so high. Yeah. Because that's the one thing that really stops her from being able to just lock this down immediately, too. Mm-hmm. Eric's already into the girl who saved him and then sang a little song. He's been humming part of your world this whole fucking time. Playing it on his little fife. But I will say she doesn't know that. But Ursula does know that. Right. That's a good point. Ursula knows that the prince heard her. Mm-hmm. And Ariel doesn't because he wasn't exactly awake. Ursula's great in preparation for this role. They went through so many actors casting this movie. I think they mm-hmm. went through like nine for Ursula before eventually I think Pat Carroll got the part. Pat Carroll sitting in session with Howard Ashman would ask him to sing the song for her so that she could take notes on how he wanted her to perform certain intonations. At one point, she asked him if it was okay for her to steal some of the ad-libs that he put into his song. (laughs) And he leaned in and he said, I was hoping you would. That's really great. So there's a lot of work put into this villain to make her like absolutely what she is, which is this huge Broadway style character. And also for the next half hour, the lead will not talk. It it takes a lot longer than I thought for this movie to get to her not talking. It does. And I said for the next half hour, because that's, I checked my, I checked the timestamp. But it's probably only about 20 20 minutes minutes. of Ariel not talking, which isn't as bad as I remember. It's like a third, right, of an 80 minute movie. But also when we do hear hear Ariel again, we get to hear her as Vanessa for a little while. Yes. Which is kind of interesting. But there are various ways of watching this movie, like different lenses you can use to like analyze it and stuff. Mm-hmm. The very critical feminist lens that is applied to this movie very often, I think, in regards to having your main character not speak and having mm-hmm. that main character be a woman. Totally valid, and I totally get it. I don't think either of us are equipped to to discuss it further than that. <laughs> You're probably right. I was just going to mention that. I think, while I do think that is valid, she does lose her voice to another woman, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. But, like, it, it doesn't fix the issue of the movie itself, mm-hmm. literally not giving Ariel a voice for part of it. When I say I love this movie, when I say that this is my favorite Disney princess movie, and I think it might be my favorite Disney movie, just in general, Mm -hmm. in terms of their animated bodies of work, I'm not saying that I love this movie for kids or I love this movie for girls. I love this movie for me. This movie speaks to me in a way that I think astounds me to this day. I don't know what it is about it that absolutely hooks me in. That's the last time I'll make that pun. We're each allowed one. Yeah, we each get one. Um, but it, it it has a pull that I can't I can't get away from. I don't know what it is about it, and it's something that I was thinking about after I watched this movie that like puts me in this emotionally vulnerable place every time I watch it. That other people who point out all of the problematic stuff in this movie, I totally understand. They're valid criticisms, but for me, this movie like is absolutely at its heart. Just an amazing, beautiful work of art that never fails to astound me and captivate me for all 83 of its minutes. I I don't have anything to say to that. That was very (laughs) heartfelt. Mm -hmm. 
I know that we said we weren't going to talk about the feminism thing, but to put a slight spin on it. Yeah. I do think it's okay for a movie to warn young women against people trying to take their voice from them. (laughs) Because that's also a thing that happens. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, Ariel is dragged above water by Flounder and Sebastian. Oh, this is... The way that this deal goes down is such a, like, look into how fucked this deal is she immediately turns into a human she doesn't she isn't even given time to go to the surface she is dragged to the surface scuttle gets her in a sail yeah it looks kind of nice sure it doesn't look bad but it also clearly looks like she's homeless (laughs) right well i mean she could be she doesn't have a voice She's washed up on the beach and wrapped up in a sail. It looks like something terrible has happened to her and she can't talk about it yet, you know? Or she can't talk at all. Right, but like some people, when they do go through something very traumatic, stop talking. That's what I would have assumed happened. I don't know if you have that same assumption in whatever year this is, whatever place well, this is. Well, actually, you know? funnily enough, you do, because that that the concept of people losing their voice over trauma is like a thing in like in Roman history. I forget which battle oh. it was, but there's like a Roman battle where at the end of it, they talk about how like some soldiers never spoke again for the rest of their lives after it. It's it's a known thing. This that is what I would have assumed had happened to this girl yeah eric once again just like being a good guy finds this girl on the beach and immediately knows she's not the girl he's looking for because she can't talk Mm -hmm. and takes her back to the castle to get cleaned up to take yeah to be taken care of Mm -hmm. there there is a line earlier in the movie where eric where grimsby's mad at eric because every I don't know what the politics of this kingdom are, but Eric is a prince. There is no king or queen, as far as I can tell. And the entire kingdom is waiting for him to get married and settle down. I don't know what the rule is. You're right. But he does seem to be a ruling prince. Yeah. And I do love, because Prince Eric mentions offhand that like, oh, I didn't fall in love with this princess or whatever but like i'm not just gonna fall in love with the woman i need to find a a woman that i can just fall in love with and i'm like okay wait a minute dude yeah he's like trust me when i find the right girl it'll hit me like lightning and i was like dude like i 100 percent don't think that's how it works especially because over the course of this movie it just so happens that this woman is the same woman but he does fall in love with Ariel for different reasons than he originally fell in love with her. And has to be convinced of it by by Grimsby, like, right? This is kind of a, a pretty long part of the movie, uh, is, is them hanging out and growing closer. But it does take a couple of days before, right, like, the, they get to the moment. And we get to the second best song in this movie. Okay, I'm not going to fight you on this. I'm not certain that's true, but I won't fight you. You just said that the other one was the best one. Did I? You did! It's on record. I don't remember that. Oh, you know why? Because you said it, right? Like it was a feeling within you. That was your gut. Maybe. I just, I I also really like Kiss the Girl. Kiss the Girl. I I will say it's a close race. We get some, just some like fun cartoony stuff in the castle. We get this chef that fucking loves his job. This chef loves nothing more than fucking cooking himself up some seafood. And he gets a good, almost Looney Tunes-esque fight with Sebastian. The voice of this chef, by the way, for all you Trek heads out there, is Odo from Deep Space Nine, René Abergenois. 
Sebastian lives. Spoiler. He eventually makes it out of the kitchen by hiding in a plate. Grimsby manages to convince Eric to show Ariel around the kingdom. Right. Ariel is doing her, you know, mermaid stuff, which is not quite getting human stuff. And yes, Grimsby needs to be the one to convince Eric to take her out because Grimsby wants Eric to settle down with anyone. Literally, at this point, anybody. She is in the room and has a pulse. (laughs) Eric, she is in the room and has a pulse. He says as much, I think, later on in the movie, in the scene we talked about earlier. Right, where where he basically says she's a real person and quit pining over this fake person. Yeah, Uh, we sort of cut to Triton now. Triton has realized that he's driven his daughter away by being a violent lunatic. Yes. But we don't get to check in with him again until pretty much the climax. So. No, yeah, yeah. The, the check-in here is just the, the little seahorse telling him, hey, we've looked everywhere and your daughter, your advisor are missing. They don't say yeah. flounder, which is kind of fucked. Well, like, Flounder's Ariel's friends, and, like, he's worried about Ariel, and he knows Sebastian And Sebastian. Yeah, I think it's still kind of fucked, though, like... Well, but, like, he probably doesn't see Flounder on a day-to-day basis, right? But still, throw Flounder on the list. <laughs> uh. Like, you're a king. <laughs> Pretend to care. Well, here's the other thing, though. Fish get fished every day, Andy. Ah, that's true. She was bound to find out someday. This scene, I think, of him just sitting alone in this throne room is really good. It's very, it's like a good frame of just like, ah, yeah, man, that's a fucking sad dad right there. So Ariel and Eric go on their, their... Feel the sadness. They have like a day out together. I didn't remember this. I really like it that it's they have nice. like, that full day. Um, it doesn't feel quite as earned as the one in Tangled. Tangled spends the whole movie before that montage getting them close. This one, it kind of just throws them and together. And this one's like the montage is get them getting close. Yeah. But I did note that we could see her dancing, which she talked about wanting to do. She's good at it for her first time on legs. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, I think at this point she's been on legs for at least a day. Takes fucking babies fucking like five years. <laughs> five? Get on. I don't know, dude. When do kids start walking? Three? No, I, I I think by two a kid is usually walking. Really? That's so young. Yep, younger and younger these days. I know. First they're walking, then they're, I don't know, smoking. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> come, that's number two. The, all the other stuff they do like doesn't really matter, but she does do this great thing where she charges his horse over a canyon. Oh, hell yeah. And I'm like... There's the Ariel who'll fight a shark for no fucking reason. Hell yeah, she just fucking <laughs> dry. I do love though that after the initial shock of we almost died, Eric just kind of leans back, puts his arms behind his head, like <laughs> hell yeah, this is kind of nice. Yeah, why not? Fuck it, let's die we today. Almost died. <laughs> it's not a first date unless you almost fall off a cliff. I've been dating wrong. I mean, I haven't we all in our generation? Yes. <laughs> So then we get to kiss the girl. The intro to this song is great because it's Scuttle that introduces it. Eric just says, oh man, that poor guy. Somebody should put him out of his misery. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's my favorite line in the movie that Eric says. Oh, see, my favorite line is a little bit later because it is buck wild. And I'm going to talk about it now. Eric. (sighs) Oh... It is not 100% clear if, like, fish have their own language that people can't understand, but it is clear that Sebastian is singing in English. Yes. And, like, Eric understands. Yes. 
Or is at least... No, he understands. Sebastian has seen Kiss the Girl, and it's clear to me, who has watched this a million times, that Eric believes Sebastian to be his own inner voice. To the point! Oh, right, right. <laughs> to the fucking point! It's my favorite thing. Where he is trying to guess Ariel's name. Yep. And Sebastian goes, Ariel. And he's like, Ariel? <laughs> he doesn't even say the same thing that Sebastian said. Well, he, I, I think he knows what a Jamaican accent sounds like. Evidently! Is Eric's inner monologue always a Jamaican accent? No, maybe maybe it's just... It, it, it was like, it, was like, a, like <laughs> it hit him like lightning. Maybe that's what he thinks that is. Is I'm just waiting for when I see a girl, a Jamaican tells me uh, that her name and that I love her. Like an enchanted. Yeah. Oh, that oh. we need to watch that at some point somehow. I don't leave out the moment where I couldn't think of the name of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so they almost kiss. They get. And it's like it's really good. Everybody is like, we're doing it, and like the cons. This is it, has got, you guys. Like, every animal in a like a mile wide radius to serenade them until they make out, and they're doing it. It's going down. They are this close, and you can't see how close my fingers are because this is an audio medium. But mm -hmm. they're pretty damn close. They're almost touching. When and then Flotsam and Jetsam flip that boat, he uh, he gets Eugene hard. Another thing that makes Eric really great is that the moment this happens, the first thing, the first words out of his mouth are. Are you okay? Let me help you out of the water. What a good dude. Meanwhile, Ursula's like, man, she got really close, like really fucking close. And that's no good. And it's almost like, Andy, this is going to sound weird. It's almost like making a deal with the devil is a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Oh, and why is that, Tony? Well, because she turns into a freaking Ariel clone, but with brown hair. <laughs> a brunette. And she walks on the beach in this flowing cape. Going. Okay, she realizes that Ariel is better at. She realizes that Ariel is in fact a, a beautiful person with personality. So taking her voice wasn't enough. She's got to cheat before she like fucking like Jesus's herself out of the ocean. <laughs> Prince Eric is playing that little tune that he recognizes right on his flute. Mm -hmm. Grimsby comes out and is like, perhaps you should fall in love with the person who's real instead of right. made up bullshit. And Eric throws the flute into the sea. Mm -hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, that is the last conscious choice that Eric makes until we get to the climax of the movie. Yeah, because he gets hypnotized like bad. He gets eye magicked uh, into liking this random woman. And there are people out there who either choose to ignore this fact or don't understand that he is actively being hypnotized. He, he didn't just randomly choose to fall in love with this woman who Jesus herself out of the ocean. When the shell breaks, he like blinks and was like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's very clear that he was not... And he's standing around all creepy and weird when he wants a freaking wedding. He's even speaking in hypnotized voice. I recognized Peter Parker's hypnotized voice. It happened so many times in the 90s Spider-Man show. And Scuttle comes in the next day. He's like, Ariel, I heard you're getting hitched. Good job. Everybody's talking about how the prince is going to get married. And Ariel, sweet child. Sweet, naive Ariel. It's like, I fucking did it she's like so jazzed she's dancing around she goes to go see eric and he's hanging out there with this rando and ariel bursts into tears 
And, okay. She can't recognize her own voice. (laughs) I mean, if she can't recognize her own voice, that's maybe a bit fair. Because hearing your own voice sounds a little weird. It sounds a little weird. But here's the thing is, I have had... I have had very close friends of mine play back my own voice at me and I go, oh man, that's hilarious. Who is that? And, you know, make myself look like a huge tool because I just found myself funny. You have a podcast. Yeah, okay, yes. But there are other instances where other people record me and I don't know about it. No, I'm just saying you you should know. I should know. I should know, right? Yes. But But I still occasionally don't. (laughs) Because <laughs> because your first thought when you hear your voice out in the wild isn't, oh, is that me? It's, this has to be a different person because I'm here. This person sounds I'm right beautiful here. And, and awesome. That guy's got a sexy voice. Okay, I would never. <laughs> I would never say that. No. That's not something that you comment on? This guy, sounds like, this guy sounds like a huge tool. This guy sounds like he's got a lot of Disney opinions. <laughs> this guy sounds like he would talk for four hours about lyrics in Disney's The Little Mermaid. This guy sounds like a damn weeb. Oh, man, this guy sounds like he watches anime and likes it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying I get it. Ursula does cover her ass a little bit. We find out, at least in the wedding vows, that her name is Vanessa. Yeah. I think I don't think I don't think we actually learned before that, and so Ursula didn't just like say she's Ursula because she doesn't want Ariel to know about this. I do love that she takes the time for that, but mm-hmm. she breaks the number one rule that any con artist in all of history knows instinctively, which is you never break character, even when you think you're alone. Mm-hmm. You can't afford to break character because you never know when fucking a fucking seagull flies in and spies on you. I, I, I love her singing Ariel's voice. I bet somebody evil could have a lot of fun singing with somebody else's voice. That sounds pretty neat. And, and I would like to point out, right, that like uh, up until I think the laugh, her laugh at the very end of that scene, that's all still Jody Benson. Doing that, like, I don't even know what to call it, like, just super harsh, almost New York, like, fuck you voice, I guess is all <laughs> I could say. Yeah, fuck it, you. It's it's kind of awesome that, like, oh, this is this is the same person who voiced Ariel in, in this scene. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and she's, like, a different character. Wow. Actors. Actors. <laughs> I can't believe I'm amazed by this actor acting. <laughs> They're on a... We didn't establish this. A wedding boat. They're on a wedding boat, and Ariel didn't even get a plus one. Like, she... For some fucking reason, and I assume it's because Eric is hypnotized and Ursula didn't want her there, Ariel's not on the wedding boat. You would think, like, Grimsby or the maid, somebody would have invited her. Like, oh, right, this... Oh, this is what we're doing today. This mute shipwreck victim should be invited, too. If this movie did not end the way it did, if she just was a mute shipwreck victim and the prince fell in love with some other girl, I think these people have still basically adopted her. Right, that's the other thing is is if I was if I was this random peasant or whatever in this kingdom and I was like I love this prince guy I'm all about it he's real handsome I just I wish he would get married soon mm-hmm. and <laughs> there's no available women in all of the kingdom for him and then this random beautiful mute shipwrecked woman comes along and he's hanging out with her all the time I'd be like finally I- I'd be hooting and a hollering and then this other woman shows up and I'd be like okay wait a minute are are, are people trying to assassinate our prince by sending beautiful <laughs> women over here? <laughs> we should save him. But what if it's just the opposite? What if they are, like, spies or whatever, but what they really want is, like, 
more power for their kingdoms then that wouldn't necessarily be a bad well, thing. no right because then you just marry one of the many daughters in austria right to create like a tighter bond yeah but we know eric won't go for that that's true he's got they be already seduced. tried and he said no so scuttle decides that he wants to he wants to fly in and just wish ariel good luck with her wedding well, we did that. Okay, yeah, but it, we, formally we didn't say what happened. He sees Ursula do the thing. And... Oh, yes, 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 yes. Hey, I there thought you were go. talking about, yeah, okay. No, 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 this is later. Yes. This is the second <laughs> yes. time, because he's a forgetful dude. Should go congratulate Ariel again. He did wish her good luck the first time, but he was going to do it at the actual wedding. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you got to yes, do he it. Sees, he sees Ursula doing her Ursula thing. He flies back to Ariel. He's like, that's, a, that's the fucking sea witch. Oh, but he doesn't say it like that. He takes long enough to say it that Sebastian gets super pissed, which I love. Sebastian, right before he's about to get pissed, though, gets his fucking face smashed in by this seagull. I do love this scene of just him getting bodied. And Ariel's like, I'm going after him. She jumps into the water. She can't really swim, it seems like, anymore. But Sebastian takes charge. He he gets Flounder to drag her on a barrel. He sends Scuttle to, to go slow them down, and then he goes to get Triton. There's a multi-pronged attack. Three prongs, like a pitchfork or a trident. Damn it. Earlier, earlier, earlier in this movie, when Ariel first gets her legs and is like on land and Sebastian's like full on in full on freak out mode, he tries to convince her that maybe she should just go home and see if her dad can fix everything. And then he looks at her and says, and then you could just be miserable for the rest of your life. And he, he mm-hmm. that's when he kind of flips and is like, OK, I'm going to help you out then. And here he's like fucking like full on commando. Like we're going to we're going to wreck this bitch like <laughs> Ursula's. Going down. We're gonna kill a sea witch. We're gonna kill a sea witch. Me and my D and D party, the bird, the mermaid, and the fish are gonna go murder Cthulhu. And you know what? I have seen better equipped D and D parties fail spectacularly. So you know what? They got a chance. That's not what that means, but okay. So Ursula is getting owned. She gets proper fucked up by like by birds, by dogs, by sea lions, by starfish, just like a bunch of starfish. starfish. Every animal you that is even a little bit associated with water is like beating the ever-loving crap out of her. And no one is doing anything. Yeah, I think it's just too weird. Everyone is just kind of relegated to like is this is this what all these weddings are like? It's been a while since the last one, so I don't remember. Scuttle breaks her Necklace. shell. Yeah, which gives Ariel her voice back, which breaks the spell on Eric, and they're about to kiss. Like, they're about to do it. Uh, if only they hadn't spent two or three seconds realizing who the other person is. If only Eric just kissed the girl. Like, seriously, dude, just shut up and kiss her. But no, he has to spend like four seconds being like, it's you. Oh, my God. I can't yeah. believe it. This whole time, was it you? And Ariel's like, come on, time is ticking. Yeah, so the sun sets. They're too late. Ursula does. This is maybe my favorite scene because it's just like crazy to me. Ursula bursts out of her human form. Like, to the point where I imagine that there is what looks like a skinned human laying on the deck. This was hand animated. Somebody drew tentacles exploding out of that woman. And we just gotta live with it. And this was before modern internet. Uh, well, this was the late 80s. It was 89. I feel like people didn't really have internet till like 95. No, but I, I, do, I do think that by then Japan was like full on Japaning. 
on their side of the pond. Uh, she just grabs Ariel, tells her, flips Eric the bird, and dives into the ocean. Yeah, basically. And she's like, ah, sorry, kid, this wasn't even really about you. And then Triton shows up, and she's like, hey, buddy, I win. Triton changes the contract, so it's him. Instead of Ariel. Instead of Ariel, who ends up owned. Mm-hmm. And she gets his trident and his crown, and she's like, yeah, I'm super powerful now. Fuck you, Ariel. I'm a final boss in Kingdom Hearts now. Twice. I think three times, actually, because of uh, Chain of Memories, right? She she is twice in the first Kingdom Hearts. She is. Are you serious? I th- she is multiple bosses. I think she's in, like, there's got to be five different fights. God damn. That game series, man. So Eric, when I okay, we talked about how Eric's a cool dude. Eric does not know what's going on, but he grabs a boat and a harpoon, and he's gonna fucking fight Cthulhu for his girlfriend. <laughs> he's like, I just started to date her, but god damn it, Grimsby. He's just like underwater, and he throws a harpoon at her, uh, and he gets her, and she's like, ah, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> he did that. And Flotsam and Jetsam almost kill him. And Ariel makes Ursula zap him to death. Which makes her explode into giant evil Ursula. When she kills Flotsam and Jetsam, she fucking kills them. There are bits of them floating into her hands. And I was like, whoa! (laughs) They're fucking dead they, they are so dead they're not they're not like disintegrated like in the mandalorian like yeah <laughs> there's still some parts floating like I, I this is this might be the jet some this might be the uh, shit <laughs> God damn it. you're welcome this may be the only disney movie except for maybe tarzan where people die hard with a vengeance Four. Yeah, Ursula is about to die pretty fucking hard. So as far as villainous plans go, I'm a god now and I'm going to kill you with a whirlpool is like top tier. It's pretty good. Um, She makes a classic villain mistake and plays with her food. It's funny that you brought up Kingdom Hearts because what she does is she makes a video game villain mistake. She makes the video game villain mistake of summoning the things that hurt her. Yeah, well, you know. That's some, like, Mega Man shit. That's that's some serious fucking, like, PS2-era video game shit. Eric gets in a in boat his, that it, had some... It's his boat. Oh, is it his it's, boat It's his from boat earlier? from earlier in the that's movie. so good. Right? I did not realize Fucking Chekhov's boat? <laughs> if you have a boat in the first act, you need to smash it into a sea witch by, by the third, third act. act. This boat is all charred and fucked up, and he just slams it right into her, and you can see it popping out the other, other end side. Of her. It this he fucking impales the shit out of her. Yeah, she is so dead. She is dead as fuck. And ding dong! Now that the witch is dead, all of her victims turn back into mermaids and mermans and mermans and mer people, merfolk, merfolk. merfolk. Yeah, merfolk. I actually think Merfolk is it. I think Merfolk is the one, yeah. yeah it's got a good mouthfeel. There were a lot of Merfolk in there, too. So good on them, I guess. Yeah. Triton's back, and we get a little closing scene with him where he has to basically let Ariel go. I do like his last line of the movie, where um, then there's just one thing. There's just one problem, I think he says, uh, and that's that he's going to miss her. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. That's a cute little heartwarming line. At this point in the movie, I had already been crying so hard that I was like out of tears. <laughs> I was de- I was so dehydrated. 
by the end of this movie. She turns back into a human. I guess his trite his trident is way better at turning people into humans because when he turns her into a human, she gets clothes. I don't think he's better at it. I think that Ursula purposely did not add the uh, give her clothes bit. Yeah. Okay. So she was just cutting corners. Or conversely, that's not a normal thing that's in there. And Trident was like, I'm about to give her a bunch of human bits that I don't need to see. <laughs> I was like, here's this sparkly dress that makes her look like a wave coming out of the water. It's pretty dope, though. Like, that's an upgrade. That's a wardrobe. They get married. I'll be frank, as I think about it now, I don't think a marriage is necessary to, like, really cap off this movie. What it does do is it lets you get a moment with all the side characters again. Yeah. I think this movie could have ended with them hugging on the beach and kissing on the beach. It definitely could have been, like, thung title. I don't think the marriage is a bad move. It's fine. But I also think it's it's just fine because it feels like they got already their earned ending when she got her legs. Here's what I will say. It feels like there could have been a little bit more movie before the full wedding. The ending does feel a little rushed by the, after the kiss on the beach. Like that, that whole segment feels like stuff was cut. What I would have liked, and this is just spitballing, I would have liked it to have basically ended on the beach. But for there to be like a last couple of lines of part of your world. Yeah, right. Like another reprise would be good. Put like a real oh, cabinet. What if they got a what if what if they got a reprise but both of them were singing? Yep, this could have totally worked. Eric doesn't get any songs, which is kinda wild. Because this movie is like half about him. Yeah, but it's not I think it goes to show, right, that like it's not his movie. Because all of the songs revolve around Ariel in some way. Even if they're not being sung by her, they're sung to her. That's fair, but he could have had a song that he sung to her. I think the closest he could have gotten was Kiss the Girl. He could have had something in there. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah. that would have been the place. I like Thank this you for movie. This... Sorry. <laughs> no, no, before you end, I like this movie. Uh, I also quite like this movie. I don't know if it's my favorite Disney movie, as you say it is yours, but it's definitely up there. I think I spent a long time not liking it as much because i saw it as like a girl's movie as a kid same but like is extremely solid and you could say it does have flaws i think it tells the story it wants to tell and it does that well and if you don't like the story then you're not gonna like it but the story of the little mermaid that this movie is based on is so fucked like (laughs) so weird it it, anything (laughs) written by hans christian anderson is like a fucking like weird kind of gross thing i think the little mermaid is his worst one where it's just like oh what no we no air nomads what heaven fuck that guy she wants to be a human so that she can get a soul because mermaids don't have souls Souls, uh, that's the beginning bananas anyway and it gets weirder from there it gets weirder from there (laughs) 400 years of good deeds and maybe you'll get to go to heaven like what anyway I, I think I've espoused my heart throughout this episode of how much I like this movie. But I will say, this is going to be the last time I get to talk about Howard Ashman and not be, uh, and have it make sense. Cause this was, this is, we, we've done the, his other movies that he's touched, which is Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. So mm-hmm. in, in a way, this is kind of a, a farewell to his body of work on Disney's side, um, until the live action Little Mermaid comes out and we watch it. Um, Ugh. and we're going to. I love Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's going to be doing lyrics for the new movie. I'm going to be so hard on him. I think more so than any other person on the planet. He needs to bring his 
A plus plus game to this shit because uh, I am certain I'm going to hate the new movie, and it's and and it's because this movie that I just watched is so good. It's so tight, and I know that this new movie is going to be two hours and thirty minutes of what the fuck. But yeah. as I I don't know, it's it's going to be rough. Uh, so but this is going to be the last time I get to talk about Howard Ashman in like a a positive way, <laughs> right? And 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 I will say that like there is a ton of documentation out there of his life and his work. He's an icon, I think, in the musical industry and in Disney. I I think this quote is kind of gross, and I don't like it, but I do think it's true in a way, which is that like at least during this era of Disney filmmaking, all of the staff working on these movies, I I think in this golden era between 89 and 99 with the Lion ending, I think with the Lion King really believed that they were doing him and Walt Disney justice. Like they, both of them, I think were in their minds for, for this era of Disney filmmaking. And I think it was Katzenberg who is like a major producer who no longer works at Disney, who said that like, like all of our movies have been blessed by how, two people, Ashman and Walt Disney himself. And he really believed that maybe in his own weird corporate way. I sort of get that and I sort of get why it's gross. Maybe it's because Jeffrey Katzenberg is such a corporate person that anything he says kind of feels insincere. But I, I do think in his own way, he genuinely believed that that was true. And for this era of Disney, it was because he invented the Disney musical the way we think of it today. There's an amazing documentary coming out directed by Don Han, who directed uh, Beauty and the Beast, called Howard, about his life, and uh, an album that he released called, I think it's called uh, Howard Singing Ashman, where he sings all of the songs that he helped write. So if you want to get an idea of like who he was as a as a singer and as an artist, you should definitely listen to that. Part of the reason why I wanted to do this movie is just because I needed to talk about him at least one more time before that documentary came out. Thank you for listening to Direct-to-Video VHS. Yes. <clears throat> VHS. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really good. <laughs> I have been your host, Tony Robusto. Uh, I have been your host, Andy Reyes. You can find me on Twitter at TheaterBets or at my website, inspiredbytreneurevents.org. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at royalty underscore valens, and that's it. That's all I do. It's that and this. Big huge thanks to Lee Rosevier for his song Planet E off of the album Trappist One. Mm-hmm. Ah! Uh, links to that in the description. Mm-hmm. You can find more podcast stuff at direct2.video. The last video I posted there is a cut scene from... <laughs> <laughs> from our last episode so that is actually content that you have not heard if you want to hear andy i sincerely believe try to piss off the entire internet you should check that out i think the internet needs to get over itself i (laughs) need to be seen as the good one so i'm not agreeing (laughs) oh man (laughs) <laughs> yeah, get that bonus content on direct2.video. Um, remember to, if, if you have a Apple podcatcher, uh, you know, rate us five stars if you like us. Rate us five stars if you hate us. And leave a review telling about why you hate us so much and how we can be better. Mm-hmm. And we will ignore it. We will, we will probably look at it and go, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ooh, that was real. <laughs> And then we won't do that thing that you said. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a great idea, and you should go out and do it. Next week, we're going to be watching 
Hellspells. What is the name of this movie? Uh, The Little Mermaid 2, Return to the Sea. Oh, Return to the Sea. Yeah, dog. It's oh. going to be great. I am the ghost of Josh Smith. And this is the spot where I died. Tony, I'm genuinely worried that I'm going that if we watch the third movie, watching the third movie, Ariel's mother will be dead. <laughs> that she will not actually be in it. That is my biggest fear for that movie. Uh, your fear is that she's already dead by the by beginning? the beginning of the prequel. <laughs> Woof. That would be rough. <laughs>